Welcome to Shades of Blue podcast. I'm Charlie Cohen and today we are speaking to Alicia Judge. Alicia is a freelance video producer and writer. She's presented for IGN, Nintendo, Sky and BAFTA and has appeared on Channel 4 News, Al Jazeera and the BBC Radio 4 Today programme as a video games expert. Her written work has been published in The Guardian, BBC, PC Gamer and official PlayStation magazine and she's a bit of a badass. So, Alicia, <laughs> tell me a bit about you and what you do. So, uh, my name's Alicia Judge. I'm a video games journalist. So, I, uh, yeah, I just, I write about video games culture and I present, so talk about video games on video, which is very meta. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best way to go. So, we're here to talk about um, mental health and mm. especially as relates to the video games industry. Mm. So first I'd like to talk to you a bit about how you see gaming's being beneficial for um, for mental health within different age groups. Video games is really powerful for mental health just because it's such an interesting storytelling device. And like I think I don't know about you but when I when I think of the best ways to approach mental health if someone's got an issue it's through empathy sure. and one of the best ways to promote empathy is through storytelling, so someone can actually almost walk a mile through fiction in the shoes of someone who has a particular experience. So what video games do and why they're set up so brilliantly compared to, say, books or film or TV is that you are active. Someone once described it to me as uh, if you watch a film, you watch other characters solving their own problems. If you play a video game, you solve their problems for them. So if you're playing a video game where the character has problems related to mental health, that's really powerful because suddenly you are the one, you know, actively working through those. And then when you go back out into real life, if you meet someone who's talking about those issues, you might just have a little bit more of an inkling and empathy on how to how to help them or at least understand that makes so much sense mm. and uh, what do you think also as somebody who is having the struggles themselves going into playing a game do you think there's like the reassurance there of uh, being able to see other portrayals of people suffering with the same issues yeah totally I, I, like I think you've hit the nail on the head it, the, the feeling of being represented is really really powerful there are some amazing games that do that Hellblade uh, which is about the story of a woman who has psychosis and when you play it, you play it with headphones and they've created a new form of audio, like this binaural audio, where um, you hear voices in your head like someone who would have psychosis. They made it in conjunction with the Welcome Trust and people who suffer. And so many people have come forward and said, finally, like, you know, I've been able to say to my family, play this game and you will understand what it is that I go through. And families have said, we never understood, you know, our son or our daughter That's until so we played this game. Um, you know, and Ninja Theory is not the only one. There's, uh, you know, even Celeste is a platformer that came out last year and it's to do with anxiety. And it's a story of a girl climbing a mountain to overcome her anxiety. And there's a, a scene in it where you have to breathe in and out in time with a feather and and you become calmer by doing it and you suddenly realise, ah, oh, here's a technique that, you know, someone who has anxiety can use and someone who actually has anxiety has suddenly been equipped with something to help them in daily life while also getting very stressed over a very difficult <laughs> platform and so probably for the best that they give them an anxiety tool. It's a disbalance, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we talk about how gaming itself can be really beneficial. I know that like most creative industries, the gaming industry itself can be quite a toxic environment for mental health. So could you speak a little bit to that? 
Yeah, no, it totally can. And I don't think that the games industry gains anything by pretending that gaming can't be a negative impact on mental health. Especially, you know, if we look at certain things that go into games, like there's been a massive conversation last year about loot boxes. Loot boxes are uh, these sort of devices that you can buy and they randomly generate items for a certain amount of currency and you don't always know what you're going to get and you can use that item in game. And a lot of people have said, well, that's gambling and it, and it, um, it feeds into people who might have mental health issues related to addiction, things like that. All of those kind of criticisms I think are valid and we need to in the games industry really step up and go, what could we do better? But I guess the caveat to all of that that I'd say is that underlying mental health issues is key. I don't think, and the science proves that gaming doesn't actually cause mental health issues. If someone has an addiction to video games, for instance, that's um, I did an interview with Professor Andrew Przybylski at the University of Oxford who... He spent 20 years studying games addiction and he has found no correlation between video games actually causing mental health issues. Sure. But he's found that people who do have video game addiction normally have depression or some, some sort of other underlying health issue. Um, so rather than being gaming being a boogeyman that is detrimental to our mental health, I think it's the canary in the coal mine that we should be listening to that says someone might have a mental health issue. Um, and what about behind the scenes in the gaming industry? How So from fashion, I'm in my experience, there's very little infrastructure within companies to support mental health. And it's an industry that tends to attract people that have a lot of mental health struggles. Mm. So I wonder if there are any similarities in the gaming industry in that sense. That's interesting. And, and I bet there are because, you know, the fashion industry, the games industry, were both creative industries where sure. people are trying to express themselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it does probably attract similar sorts of people. It, it varies from company to company. Sure. I don't know. I mean, are there fashion houses, for instance, that um, are really good with mental health and there are some that are really bad? On on the whole, I would say through fashion, it's something that's very swept under the rug. Mostly it's because it's such, I mean, again, like creative industries, it's such a competitive industry. There's that pressure where if you appear in any way not to be coping, then you're out and there are 500 other people who will happily take your place. Oh, that's so true. That's exactly the same for gaming. You know, to get to the to the really high studios, there is always, you know, a hundred other people who would take your place. But I think a really good thing that's happening, we are seeing it in some studios, is that, that people are really standing up and, and mental health is, I think perhaps because of the narrative element, perhaps because there are so many games that are dealing with mental health. It's um, bringing up the conversation more. Inside the game studio culture. You know, I know of studios who uh, everyone gets um, access to a therapist if they want it through HR, you know, no questions answered. That's a BAFTA award-winning studio that does that. There are other studios that have, like, more open-door policies. Yeah, like, that. things are definitely shifting. There's still a very long way to go. There's a culture of what we call crunch in the games industry, which might exist in some sense in fashion as well, but when you're approaching a deadline, there's a pressure yes. for everyone to stay late, and some people can work, like, seven-day weeks for yeah. a three-week three-month period it's very similar in the fashion industry where there is no concept of a nine-to-five um there often isn't uh official overtime but yeah there is just that expectation and again it's you know if you don't fulfill that then you know that's something that's uh sort of not not on paper but is a job requirement of you which is so insidious isn't it like i mean you know, it just even if you've got, um, it's, it's not a mental health issue. It's more just a, it's more just a, a compulsion. But if you know, 
if you're a people pleaser and you you, yeah. you desperately want to just you know you know yeah just people please like that that whole culture is going to really negatively impact your mental health and eventually probably lead to a mental health issue like yeah, anxiety um because you think oh what if people judge me for not staying it's yeah it's super insidious um so if you could change one thing in mm. the gaming industry um what would it be I would like to change the way that we talk about video games um, in media, both in, so there's kind of two prongs to that. In mainstream media, I'd like to see a lot less sensationalising, a lot less uh, video games are awful and they're going to ruin your children. Yes, and they all... create serial killers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, more robust debate that's backed up by fact, you know, rather than um, bringing on a YouTuber who has said a throwaway comment in a video, bring on Professor Andrew Przewalski to talk about his 20 years of research, you know, like, sure. don't get me wrong, that, that YouTuber has value. I'm not saying that, like, you know, anyone's opinion I think within the industry but it's anecdotal it's anecdotal rather than research-based and um yeah I think that would really help in in just creating a more scientific uh factual discussion because mental health issues are motive you know it's it's so interesting we talk about mental health versus physical health but I think we can we approach physical health in a very logical way you know we say "I, I have a broken arm and that's fine I'll do this very physical thing and that's cool whereas we because mental health takes place in the mind it's so wrapped up in emotion and in the way that we talk about it the discourse nationally like um the shame that we feel for having it there's there's so much emotion there I think it's important that in the media and the conversations we have about it that we try and be as factual as possible to kind of cut through that um but then within the games industry I'd also like to change the way that we talk about games not necessarily to do with mental health but I think we focus a lot on the how of video games how do you play a video game you know I, I used to work for IGN and a lot of a lot of the content that we would do would be a game's coming out how do you play it and so you'd come up with a video idea for playing the game and talking about its mechanics and we don't talk about the why we don't talk about why we play games like what is it that compels us to pour 10 hours into a campaign like why did that designer make that particular choice and why why do we talk about games in the way that we do so I, I yeah I want to see more uh, coverage of video games on the why rather than the how. That, personally, I would find that so much more interesting. As yeah, well. me too. Yeah. And uh, last question for you, which should be asked to everyone: um, What would your protest sign say? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> Do you know what? It would depend on what I was protesting. Yeah. I I protested Brexit and I stuck like three condoms to a sign and said like never trust the withdrawal method. <laughs> Walked around London, but that doesn't work. That works for like birth control protests and yeah. Brexit, so it's quite short. Um, I think I think a more general sign would probably be whoever I was protesting against. I could like take their face, put them on a sign, put like Resident Evil on the top, and then uh, there's like a villain in Resident Evil called Albert Wesker, and I'd probably put like Photoshop his sunglasses onto their face. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm walk around. It would be very niche. Half of the protest would not know what I was oh, doing. But so but... worth it. Yeah, so worth exactly. it for the meme value. For the meme, do it for the meme. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. It was no, really, really you. interesting to speak with you. No, it's great to talk about it. I hope you guys found that as interesting a chat as I did. Um, I'm really fascinated uh, by the ways Alicia was mentioning that video games can be used as a tool in the management of mental health issues yeah. and also as a way for people who perhaps have friends or family members that suffer um, can 
find a way to perhaps walk in their shoes in some way and empathize with their condition more yeah i've played hellblade multiple times through and aside from being just a really great game like i found it super interesting to experience maybe a little bit of what it's like to have psychosis and experience noises and voices in your own head Uh, so that was pretty eye-opening for me so i can't really recommend that game high enough and i do think generally like video games are a really untapped source uh, of creativity that developers can use to address these issues like i don't think it's i don't think video games are utilized enough right now to address these things i think there's so much potential so it's good to see more uh, being done or released yes potential there for a really really powerful tool across the board very cool yeah i also think i'm sorry i just interrupted you again i think that with with new tech virtual reality could easily be used in really amazing ways to uh to shed light on mental illness or just to create awareness and i haven't i don't think i've seen any recent games that have done that in vr there might be if anyone knows of any let me know in the comments because i'd love to try one um, so while we're here, the listeners might be wondering who the fuck you are. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Ben. I work with Charlie. And um, this is my voice. Hello. Would you like to speak a little bit about what your role is in Charlie Cohen? Officially studio manager, but I do the videography for the brand um, and I try to get involved in as much as I possibly can do uh, which is pretty limited but you know I do I do my best <laughs> no, it's, we're a startup here nobody really has a fixed role we just all kind of mash in on whatever needs doing yeah I'm Charlie I'm the founder of the brand as is you might have guessed by the fact that the brand is called Charlie Cohen and I'm also called Charlie Cohen that's clever so, isn't it I know I know it's very um, very original of me Mm. so yeah that's that's who i am so in terms of video games generally you're not a gamer or would you would you class would you class yourself as a gamer um only when it comes to tetris which is my my other passion outside of this business tetris yeah but not really i enjoy well i enjoy watching you play certain games where there's Mm. a particularly interesting narrative but yeah on the whole i am more of a reader than a than a player what did you think of hellblade i mean you didn't sit through the entire game but as an like an onlooker what did you think of the way that it was presenting the main character um yeah i thought that um i thought that they treated the character in a very sympathetic way Mm -hmm. and they were very clever with the use of visual and audio as to how they helped to put you in that character's mind yeah, I mean, for as much as I can see as an onlooker, um, I think it was was handled very cleverly. Yeah. Like, would you be more interested in playing a video game if it was specifically about mental health or addressing mental health? Video games, isn't, they're not for everybody. Not everyone plays games. But I think it's a good way of getting a message out there uh, in a really unique way. So as a non, I guess, hardcore gamer there is such a thing would you be more interested in playing games around this topic um yeah i mean obviously i have a 
a personal passion for it and a personal interest as somebody who's a sufferer of depression and anxiety. Um, I tend to digest a lot of other forms of media that look at um, mental health, whether that's in literature or film. So definitely I think that I would be drawn to a game that looked, looked into that more. Yeah. And the, the whole thing about loot boxes as well, I do agree um, with Alicia in that the video games industry kind of needs to be held accountable a bit more as to how they're using loot boxes can totally see how that kind of thing can be addictive to someone who is already, already has a tendency yeah, exactly that way yeah um so totally agree uh, with that i think that developers are actually getting better um as far as i can see yeah. with recent releases they i are mean being... jesus as somebody who has spent um a embarrassing amount of money on pokemon go i can kind of <laughs> sympathize yeah, with yeah. that yeah is there anything else we want to talk about I think that's a wrap for this episode. Um, I would give you a... No, uh, there is something else. Oh, oh. I just wanted to let you know that I am including the link to the study that Alicia was referencing. Cool. I will put a link to that study in the bio. Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's fine. I was going to say that we don't, we can't give you a uh, hint on what the next episode's going to be because we don't know ourselves. No. Um, so get ready for a no doubt fabulous surprise. It's almost like incoming. a loot box. It's almost like a loot box. You have to commit before finding out what it is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Except you don't. No. <laughs> so thanks, thanks. I guess it's nothing like a loot box. Nothing like a loot box. Nothing <laughs> like a loot box. Well, on that note, thanks. Thank you guys for listening. And we hope to catch up with you on episode three. Please hit that subscribe button. Smash it. Smash it. Smash that subscribe button. What do the button. kids say? Is it smash um, it? I... I I don't know. Smash the subscribe button. Smash the subscribe button. Smash it. Smash it real good. Um, maybe, maybe leave a review or send yeah, if us it's a, a message. If it's a good one. If it's a good one, yeah, leave us a nice, nice review. Yeah. Um, if you've got something nasty to say, by all means, uh, DM us privately on Instagram. And we, we won't can, read it though. Well, I'll read it and possibly <laughs> cry, but you know, it's that's fine. That's all part of the course. Yeah. Um, yeah, Instagram at Charlie Cohen. All the um, required links that you may need to find us, should you so wish, will be in the show notes. Yep. Oh, and uh, if you want to follow Alicia, uh, the best way to keep up to speed with what she's up to is on Twitter at Alicia Judge. That is Alicia, spelt A L Y S I A J U D G E yeah perfect cool i think that's good we'll just uh edit out all the shit mm -hmm. which was most of it <laughs> <laughs>